You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone. It's Tommy Ashley. I wanted to bring you a couple special interviews we did on Inside Carolina Live on Saturday, March 18th. Dewey Burke and Melvin Scott, both former Tar Heels, both with unique perspectives on the Carolina basketball program, the Carolina family that we all discuss and that all the fans and followers of North Carolina basketball have grown to enjoy discussing, watching. Well, in 2023, rough season for the Tar Heels. So I wanted to talk to Dewey and Melvin Scott and get their perspective because they've both been through it. Dewey played on some of the best teams ever at North Carolina. Melvin Scott, national championship in 2005. But Melvin Scott, also a member of one of the worst basketball teams at Carolina in Carolina history. So brings a great uh, perspective and great insight on what it's like to be in the middle, to be that man in the arena when things around you are not going as planned. Inside Carolina Live is certainly our weekly show with Joey Powell and myself. These interviews are a part of that. If you listen to us live on Saturday, March 18th, you've probably heard them. But if not, check them out right here on the Inside Carolina podcast feed. Dewey Burke and Melvin Scott, former North Carolina Tar Heels, and always great interviews when you're talking Carolina basketball. As always, we're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Visit them on East Franklin Street or online. They'll bring it straight to your door. They've got the greatest gear for all your North Carolina needs. Basketball, football, baseball, women's sports, women's basketball, anything you could want over at Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to all the podcast feeds, the YouTube channel, everything you need to get all your Inside Carolina content Enjoy the interviews, and as always, we'll be back soon. Welcome back, Inside Carolina Live. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Joey Powell still in the transfer portal on spring break with the rest of the partiers. Got Dewey Burke with me. Dewey Burke, as you know, if you listen to this this Inside Carolina Live, if you listen to our Inside Carolina podcasts on the regular, is a regular featured post-game analyst. Dewey also provides content for the message boards and all, and just all-around uh, asset to Inside Carolina. Dewey, I'm going to get you in here, and I'm going to get right to it. North Carolina season, certainly not up to expectations. Hadn't really talked to you a lot since it ended. Um, have you had time to process um, what has happened over the last six months around the North Carolina basketball program? 
I think I have, and I, and I I would take it longer than six months. I take it from the day after the Kansas loss all the way through today um, has been uh, a pretty wild emotional roller coaster for uh, fans. You know, people on the inside Carolina message boards uh, for former players, for the the actual players and staff, and. Um, Boy, it's challenging when you come up so, so short of expectations. We had such high hopes, such good feelings about this team and these kids coming back based on the ride they took us on. And one of the things I did in preparation for this time was I went and watched a couple of our podcasts from last last year's tournament run. And we spoke after the St. Peter's game when they made the final four and I sat right on this medium and said, this is the most remarkable thing I've seen since I've been a part of the program, that this team and these kids are in the final four is the most remarkable thing I'd seen. Um, just because it was so unexpected eight seed, the, the way the regular season, they didn't really play great until much later in the year. Um, and so you just had every expectation that they could carry that into this year uh, but with a chip on their shoulder because they didn't finish the job. And uh, it just wasn't that way. There wasn't a sense of urgency. There wasn't, uh, there wasn't a chip. There wasn't uh, us against the world mentality to get back to the mountaintop like that 2017 team did, did like that 2009 team did. So we're going to get into it and talk about why, you know, playing style, the – the meshing of the kids, no Brady Manic. I understand all that. But that that for me was always the hardest thing when we had these conversations was like, I just can't understand why they're not, as Coach Williams would say, um, ripping the nails out of the floor to get back where they were, to try to take the last step and hang a banner and be legends. And you just never, you just never saw that. You never saw that urgency, that effort and, that's hard for me to understand. Um, it's hard for me to get because it's so foreign from my experience. We lost games. You know, we got knocked out in the second round of the tournament when Tyler and those guys were freshmen, and we collapsed and lost to Georgetown in the Elite Eight. That's, that's what happened. But, man, there were at least a number of guys on those teams that just – they'd have died for the win. They'd have died for it. I just don't know that – I just don't know that I saw that. Um, so I could keep going, but let me let you ask me questions. So that to sum it all up, the disappointment um, that these guys didn't play like they'd ripped the nails out of the floor was hard to watch. Yeah, you know, and my inclination listening to you talk, and we're speaking with Dewey Burke, of course, former North Carolina Tar Heel himself, and he mentioned 2006, 2007, 2008 even, the Final Four, Kansas game um, leading up to that 2009 championship. But my, my inclination is to ask what has changed within the program, within these players to, to cause that. But I don't know if it's quite that simple. I don't know if it's an answer that you have. I don't know if it's an answer you've even thought about. I, I mean, it still means a lot. It still means as much to these guys, you would think. Um, but without sort of calling out specific players, do we, are we just in a different age where what you spoke of, ripping the nails out, 
um, is, is not as big a thing anymore. And, and then I look at other teams, and I've watched the tournament thus far. I watched Furman beat Virginia by ripping the nails out of the floor and coming up with a miracle. I've watched, you know, other teams do it. I, I just struggle to find rationale and reason. And I wonder from your perspective, can you find any to understand why, why that is the case in Chapel Hill right now? No. And, and that's, it's even more puzzling because of what we just discussed is that they were, a rebound away, a turned ankle away, a couple shots away from winning a national championship. Now, had they won the national championship, this same team doesn't come back. There are different players. and Okay, understood. But they didn't win it. But like we talked about all year, they tasted it. You know, they were, they were right. They were right there. Um, and so to not have that want to, it seems, um, I do not understand. I, I can't identify with that, not just because of, I'm not saying this because it's like, that's how I felt, right? Because I didn't play, right? Uh, I tried my darndest in practice, but that was my job. But the guys I played with, not all of them, but most of them, man, there just was a level of effort that I just don't feel like was the same. And we we even though it wasn't that long ago, it's getting longer and longer. But in two thousand six, two thousand seven, no social media. I mean, we we got kicked out of school for the stuff we did out on Franklin Street today, right? But nobody was taking pictures of us. We 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 just did, right? Um, now these guys are people are taking pictures of them, pictures with them. There, you know, fans, positive and negative, have a direct link to these guys on Instagram and Twitter. None of that existed. So the level of distraction today is certainly much different. Uh, but it's also very credible to say it's no different at any other school. Everybody's got the same distractions. It's the same social media. It's the same. So why, you know, why did we play you could argue with some sense of entitlement like we deserved to get back to that we were just going to arrive in the tournament and then that we could just do that again because we did it last year i mean um there seemed to not be a, a grasp of the of the fight a grasp of the fight that starts in may right and you're you're lifting weights today that that those days and in workouts those days to fight for one possession in the ACC tournament against Virginia or, or either game against Duke or, you know, at home against Miami, at home against Pitt. Like, you, you're fighting and doing the extra sprint and making 10 more free throws for one inch, one possession. Like, you do one extra set with Jonas because it gets you ready for just for one inch. And it's just it just never felt like we won that inch this year, this team. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I've heard football players a lot talk about the inch, winning just an inch. It can make all the difference in the world, so it's a good reference there um, you have talking about this team. You, you know, I, I won't – I freely admit, and you and I have talked a lot, and it's exhausting when they lose. Um, I know you feel it more than I do. Um, 
a lot of people have said, how can you continue to talk about it? And quite frankly, I'm tired of talking about it, but it remains in the news and it remains relevant for everybody because it is Carolina basketball, especially here in March. Um, we're, if I'm honest, watching the tournament these last few days is, is a little less stress, stressful, not having <laughs> to, to wonder where Carolina's going and, and all that. So at any rate, and somebody asked on the message board soon after Virginia lost, would you rather be Virginia or North Carolina at that moment? And you take Virginia every second, no matter who they lose to or, or what they lost to, whatever they were seated wise. But anyway, I digress. Dewey, let me ask you about this, and this has sort of been the elephant in the room the last few days, and I am going to turn a little bit positive before we get out of here. But the NIT decision, for the life of me, and I've talked about it with multiple people, multiple former players, and certainly enough on Inside Carolina, I can't for the life of me understand why they would turn that down, no matter what's going on in Chapel Hill. It's just too big of opportunity to, one, play and get experience, two, for players to put that uniform on, maybe for the last time. That is hard to believe that that opportunity was passed up. What's your take, having been in the arena? Yeah, so uh, this is obviously a very foreign concept to me, right? I mean, every, every year I played, we made a tournament. We were, you know, my senior year, we were one seed. We were the number one overall seed after winning the ACC tournament, right? So, I mean, that to, to where this team so there's a chasm there. Um. So I cannot speak from any kind of experience on what it must have felt like to not even have a party at the head coach's house to watch selection Sunday. Cause that never happened. I don't even know. What, I, don't, I don't know what that's about. Uh, and so I can't pretend to have, I can't pretend to stand in their shoes and get it that you're not even in. I don't even know what that's like. However, to the point that you made. Uh, I also can't fathom not taking the opportunity to put the jersey on. Um, I, I would tell you confidently that, you know, the guys I'm close with and still in touch with, that not a, not a week or two after we were done, each of us at our various times, we would have we would have practiced. We would have gone to practice if we could, just to, just to still be in it. I'll never forget, I went to late night with Roy the October after I was done, when I graduated. And I was sitting in the stands, a couple rows up, and I was sitting with Jonas. And I remember turning to him saying, I literally am getting lightheaded with how I physically feel right now that I'm not out there with them, that I'm not a part of this as a walk on who never did anything on the, on the floor. I had like a physical, whatever you want to call it, a chemical reaction inside me. When I turned to Jonas, I said, I, I literally can't believe I'm not out there with them. And so and I think all the guys I've played with or almost every guy i played with would, would give you some similar story. Like that when it was over, they would have done anything just to practice, just to get, just to be back together again. And so you think of that. Uh, and again, with the caveat that my experience and our experience was very different, I cannot at all understand it. And I never will. 
Um, because if you're Pete Nance, if you're Leaky, uh, potentially Armando, obviously I know what everybody's saying. I'm not sure what's going to ultimately happen. But if you're just be Leaky. If you're, you are never putting that jersey on again. And maybe Leaky voted yes. We don't know. But that, I can't. Anyway, that's what it reminded me of. When, when I saw that, I was like, man, I remember watching Late Night in October 2007 after I was done. And I had a chemical response inside me that I wasn't with my guys, that I wasn't out there, that I couldn't do it again. So that's the best I can give you is, is how I felt when it was done. And it was devastating. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you when you're talking about it. And I can see it um, when we've had these conversations. A uh, couple more questions before I let you get out of here. Uh, this Dewey Burke, of course, former North Carolina point guard, walk-on, but still on the team. That's what I've always laughed at is people say, oh, so-and-so is just a walk-on. I'm like, yeah, you realize their own Carolina basketball team. Uh, I mean. Yeah, it wasn't any fun. It wasn't any fun at all. <laughs> it, uh, let me let me ask you this. Uh, we've talked a lot about Hubert Davis and the approach and the transfer portal and the comings and goings, and Carolina's roster is going to look somewhat different next year. Regardless of who's on the team, how difficult is it going to be in your mind for Hubert to sort of get his sea legs back, to get his footing back after a year like this? Or do you think it's just sort of a natural progression for, for a new coach? And a lot of people have said North Carolina is not a program to get your feet wet coaching. I think Dean Smith did it 60 years ago or however long, but how difficult a process is that going to be for Hubert? Knowing what you know, talking to who you talk to, seems like it's going to be a chore for him to sort of put his stamp back on this program after what happened in year one and then what's happened this past year and now going forward. Seems like a tough job ahead for Coach Davis. Yeah, there's no question about that. And it's it's puzzling because it's kind of a, he's a little bit in reverse, right? I mean, if this year – had been last year where we just struggled to gel and we couldn't get it all together and we, you know, struggled offensively, didn't shoot the ball well, and the pieces didn't fit. You'd say, look, new coach, we just uh, – he's following a legend that won three national championships. Like, let's give the guy some time and let's, you know, see what he's made of after a little more time. That would have made sense if this year was last year. But then we went and did what we did last year, so the expectations are sky high. And then for it to feel like such a flop um, makes it extremely challenging to understand where it goes from here because it was it felt like such a regression um, with many of the same players. And so, um, yeah, look, I, I, I think it's a very challenging situation to be in because the expectations don't change here. Um, one of my favorite things to say when people ask about my experience at North Carolina, um, one of my favorite things to talk about is at the first practice every year, Coach Williams got us together and he said, guys, if you do what we tell you to do and we're together and we play the Carolina way, and da, 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 we have a chance to win the whole blessed thing. Here's the thing, though. When we said it, we meant it. It was real. 
there there's only 10 programs that they say that the first practice and it's real. I mean, many of them say it and it's, it, don't tell me you actually believe it. Don't tell me you actually believe it. If you're Virginia tech or pick your, it, North Carolina, when we say that, we mean it. We mean it. We're here and we do what we're supposed to do. And we play well and we go on a run. We're, we're trying to hang a banger, banner, and that's real. And I just don't think many programs say that. And so the expectations will not change for him, you know, and, and for the staff and for all these guys. So I think whatever it was that was going on, and I don't know, um, for the team to decide they didn't want to play together anymore, NIT or not, speaks to challenges in the locker room, to, to not being together. And so his first job is to make sure that they're together, in my view. Uh, and then they got to find a way to shoot the ball better, of course. And there are, there are X and O things and on the court. But yeah, sure. They got to get the portal. They got to get some guys that can put the ball on the bat. All of those things are true. But before that, to me, a team that says, nah, I don't want to play in the NIT wasn't, wasn't together. They just weren't. They couldn't have been. And so that is step one for, for Coach Davis and the staff is to get these guys back together. Um, I thought it was interesting. You know, you heard him say so many times last year, especially on the run, I've loved coaching this team and how we're together and, um, you know, ignore all side so side show distractions and they, they, they built around that mantra. And I just didn't feel like it ever got there this year. They never, they never got cohesive. They were never together. It never looked fun. Um, and that they never got gritty together. I just, the weight of it just, you know, it's like it knocked them over. They just never, I don't know. They were not together. And that's, he's got to get them together. Indeed he does. And like we've talked about, who knows what the roster will ultimately look like, uh, but doesn't matter. The expectations at North Carolina are going to be very high. You know, I think RJ Davis caught some flack from say, for saying championship or bust um, before this prior season. That's the thing every year in Chapel Hill. That's who we are. That's who we are, guys. Indeed. That's Dewey Burke. This has been Inside Carolina Live. We'll be right back after the break with Inside Carolina Takeover, Johnny T-Shirt Takeover. Join me, Tommy Ashley, Joey Powell, um, currently in the portal. Let's take a vote. Where should Joey transfer to? Should he come back next week for March 25th show? We'll see. Appreciate it, Dewey, and we'll be right back here on 97.9 The Hill. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Welcome back. Appreciate you making us a part of your Saturday here on Inside Carolina Live. Tommy, we've had a really strong run of champions, if not championship basketball. Uh, and we felt like we'd extend that today. And we'll, we'll go to the 05 squad. Baltimore's finest, Melvin Scott. Melvin, how you doing, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? If, if I was any better, I would be you shooting against NC State in Raleigh your senior year. Uh, Melvin, listen, man. There, I think one of the hot topics that everybody has talked about is is kind of how this season ended for Carolina, but not in wins and losses. The fact that, you know, they made a choice, whether it was Coach Davis's choice or the team's choice or whomever you choose to believe there, um, they made a choice to not play in the NIT tournament. And that point itself has been kind of beaten to death. That's not what we're going for. I would love to ask you as a guy who played in both the NIT, but also got to the mountaintop, getting a ring in the NCAAs, how does that, how does that process for you? How does that go through your head? How does that hit you? Uh, obviously, it's 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 different, right? I think um, you know we're we're on the outside looking in. So obviously, coaches, the coaching staff, and the guys they know what's best for what they're dealing with as far as um, the mentality, injuries, mm-hmm. uh, wherever they are. Um, for me, my experience is, uh, you know, when we played in it, some guys really didn't want to do it, right? But a guy like me, I love to play basketball. I love to compete. Uh, my whole life I had to fight and compete for things. So I was no stranger to that. Um, uh, to put on that jersey, a uh, guy like me, where I'm from, Baltimore, Maryland, not a lot of guys get that opportunity to be recruited to come to a school like UNC. Uh, Michael Jordan was my my idol. I looked up to him and it was a dream come true for me to be able to sign and put the jersey on. Uh, so for guys that, you know, it's their last go around, not to be able to put the jersey on again. I think about those guys first, um, about us not um, going into the NIT. And just for me personally, I mean, I just love to play. And when we played in it, I, I gave it my all. Uh, I, I played well and I was just trying to prove myself. Um, and then the next year, uh, Coach Roy Williams got the job. So uh, I would like to think, you know, the way I played in the NIT uh, kind of catapulted me or, or got me into the next role the next year and starting because I played really well. So for my personal reason, I mean, I would love – I always love to play, but uh, I guess Coach and, and the guys know what's best for the team right now. I mean, a lot of people would say they don't expect a kid from Federal Hill to be turning down any opportunity to hoop, right? So <laughs> – um, Melvin, another question I'd ask you is, is this team is obviously dealing with some turnover right now and some turmoil just because of the way the season went. Uh, nobody was really happy with the results inside the Smith Center. You faced some adversity in your career. Uh, yes. What do you think the mindset is for some of these kids who they're really making hard choices right now? Some have opted to leave the program because they feel like you know it's better for their situation if they go somewhere else. There are some kids who are opting to stay with the program for the same reasons. What was your mental approach, and did you ever consider anything like that? And I guess the second part would be how would you approach it if one of your teammates was making a decision to, to opt out of the program and go somewhere where, where he thought it would be better fit for him? Yeah, again, times are so much different now. Uh, when I played, there were some guys like weren't happy with their roles or um, whatever, and they talked about, oh, man, I might transfer or whatever. And um, – but now, you know, it's it's the Wild Wild West. Like, everybody has so much power and leverage as players that you can go in the transfer portal in, in any day. 
and play right away um, wherever school you go to. So I think the times have changed. The position of the players in power has changed. Um, I think my advice would to be to, to just take a breath and not make any decision based on emotions. Uh, they're never the right decisions. Um, adversity is going to happen in basketball. You know, UNC, you know, everybody expect to win, expect us to win. When you sign to come to Carolina, all you're thinking is national championships, NCAA tournaments. But, you know, there have been some tough years there, and I've endured those. And I tell you what, there is a brighter day, always. And not just on the basketball court, in life. Life is hard. It's not easy. And uh, I think some know how to deal with it. Some don't. Some have, you know, different options or escape routes or whatever, the fans, whoever wants to see it as. But uh, I would like to think that families and, and players and coaches know what's best for their situation. Talking to Melvin Scott, 2005 national champion, North Carolina guard. Melvin and Jawad and Jackie Manuel certainly have as much uh, uh, leverage to discuss what's going on these days as anybody that's ever been in the North Carolina basketball program. Melvin, you saw it all, um, literally, <laughs> at North Carolina while you were there. Um, let me sort of ask a little bit about your journey and and you and I talked back on the next level with Greg Barnes and Will Blythe a, a month or so ago. And I think folks need to check that out if they haven't watched it because it's a fabulous interview. Um, but the, I asked you about the bench question and you, you had a, a great answer and a great response. And I kind of want to revisit that. A lot of guys go to college expecting they're going to play and they're going to play a lot. And when you get somewhere, you realize that that might not be the case. Well, these days, you can pack up and leave and go play somewhere else. Wasn't really like that back when you were at North Carolina. Just sort of talk about your journey um, from, A, getting to Carolina, the struggles that you guys endured as a team, and they're well-documented, and I'm sure the, I'm sure not to the extent that it was actually, but then going from that to a starter, and then you weren't a starter, but you were a national champion. Just sort of share some of that with us because I think it's fascinating to listen to. Yeah, I think um, one thing, <laughs> when I was in high school in that era, I was one of the best players in Maryland and on the East Coast. When you go to college, <laughs> everybody's thinking good. And the first time I saw Marvin Williams run up and down the basketball court, you know, I revisited as a, that time I saw six, eight guys that's faster than I am. <laughs> that that's, And that's mind-boggling. That's mind-blowing. So, you know, to get on that next level and everyone is good as you are, I mean, you guys have a certain level of maturity and like, oh, man, all right, let me revisit this. And to take a step back, when Coach Darty recruited me, he said that I need you to play some point guard. And I've never played point guard in my life. I was all, I was a point guard trapped in a two guard body, like I'm a two guard trapped in a point guard's body. I mean, just six two, and I played two guard all my life. But just the opportunity to put that jersey on and sign with Carolina, I said, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. Right. So I'll do whatever it takes. Um, coming off the bench was not easy, but I'm like, you know what? If it's for the betterment of the team, and when I understand about winning and buying into winning, and everybody benefits from winning. It, it, it wasn't easy to do, but once I settled in, it's like, all right, I can do this. Uh, and you got the brothers around you, your teammates. 
that try to help you get through it. Um, so that's that's important. Um, I think nowadays when coaches recruit or sell that pitch, and I hear stories about Dean Smith talking to Michael Jordan and all these high, highly recruited guys, and I can't promise you you'll start. It's the stories I hear that Coach Smith would tell guys, but I promise you you'll you'll get better, and when you leave here, you'll be a better player, a better person. And so I think uh, that part, just being um, brutally honest with these kids, and, hey, man, look, you're the man where, from where you're from, but here we got a group of guys that were the men where they from. And uh, just if it's not about the team and what's on the front of that jersey, then you're probably in the wrong place. That is, it's fascinating to listen to you describe it. Uh, you know, Hubert Davis doesn't play the bench that much. Um, you know, it, it is what it is two years in. But tell me about having to be relied on to make some foul shots in the biggest on the biggest stage um, that you had to, to do in the NCAA tournament when you're not playing 35, 45, 30 or 40 minutes a game uh, like some of these guys. I mean, how difficult was that, A, and then, B, your mindset? Um, you mentioned as long as we win. I'll never forget Max Owens told me in the locker room uh, 23 years ago, I guess, whenever he was there, he and he wasn't playing much. He said, I do not care as long as we win, mm-hmm. as long as we win. Uh, it changes if we're not winning, but as oh, yeah. long as we win. And so just sort of walk us through that NCAA tournament and sort of the weight that was placed on your shoulders there. And you were ready to answer the bell when it happened. Yeah, I think my upbringing, um, I was raised by a single mom, a uh, strong lady, um, very prideful, had character, always wanted to do the right thing. And just, you know, make it, it's a saying, if you make it out of Baltimore, you can make it anywhere. And so, again, all my life I've been tested. Uh, it has been a roller coaster. And that being able to deal with the highs and the lows and being even killed, I think that prepared me for that moment. I think, you know, staying the course, like life is going to happen to you. It's what you decide to do uh, with it. Um, it's funny, uh, leading up into the NCAA, I had some friends would come to the Smith Center with me and shoot at night. And they're goofing off. They're running into the uh, support system. They're making noises. They're pulling their shorts down. And I'm shooting free throws and I'm laughing. And I'm just like, what, what are you guys doing? They're like, you never know what happened. I'm like, yeah, the fans probably can't pull their pants down. While I'm shooting free throws. I mean, maybe at Duke, but no, what are we doing, guys? And you almost killed yourself running into the support system. But we talk about that when we all get together. And uh, and you never know when your moment's going to come. That's why you got to stay ready. Um, just preparation. And uh, it's funny because I always talk about my son because I try to – the steps I miss, I revisit those with him. And he's shooting free throws this morning. We, we get a lot of 6 a.m.s in. And I'm like, son, if you're if – you're, practicing that shot the wrong way one time. Like, we're wasting our time. You get nothing out of that. So do it the right way every single time. It's muscle memory because you never know when your time is going to be called. And people just don't believe it's going to happen. Okay, I'm not going to go through the free throw line. And as a kid, I would dribble up three, two, one, you know. And if I miss, okay, I got fouled or something. We take it out. We do it again until I make it. And when I'm at the free throw line, as a kid, I always saw – I painted a picture. We were playing against Duke. We were down one, two free throws. And I'm making those shots, right? And like, I just always dreamed and always had this vision in my head. So I was always a dreamer and believer, no matter what the circumstances. I mean, 
people count me out my whole life, but I always believed deep down inside that if I got the opportunity, I would take advantage of it. And then that's what I try to instill in these young people that I coach and do skill training. And uh, even the guys that are currently on the UNC team that I get a chance to talk with. Um, and it, it, like people don't believe it, but every guy on that bench is so important. Developing your bench is so important because uh, you never know when you're going to need them. I love that perspective. One of the things I love about talking with with former players, that have, especially ones that have, you know, like you guys got a ring, um, is trying to, I guess, extrapolate a little bit about what their difference is watching games as a fan when you're not actually, you know, out there, out there playing. So one of the things I want to ask you, share with us your thoughts this year, because you're a shooter. Share with us your thoughts this year and watching this team not and they barely missed being the worst perimeter shooting team in Carolina basketball history by a couple of percentage points. There was a point in February where they were the worst shooting perimeter team in Carolina history. What is going through your head as a shooter when you're watching that team struggle this year? And not necessarily just individual players. I mean, just the whole locker room struggled from from beyond the arc as a whole. Well, my my saying is shooters don't think we shoot. The moment you think you're going to miss it, and I see what a lot of people don't see, it's the quality of shots. It's it's mental, right? Like Caleb Love can shoot the basketball. These kids can shoot. I've, I've watched them at practice, hit ten in a row, with hands in your face. You know, guys running out. It's just the quality of shots. Um, guys working to get another guy a shot, um, and you'll see the good teams that shoot the ball well. They got guys, five guys on the floor that's trying their best to get a guy a, a really great shot. And for me, I'm just like, uh, you know, I'll do anything to try to help these guys. If I have to volunteer my time to do shooting, which I do, to go over there and help in any capacity. And again, everybody think they have the remedy for it. And Coach Lebo and all those guys, I know those that staff is working tremendously hard to help these guys. A lot of it is just mental. And I, that part fans don't understand. And quality of shots and pressing, you know, like Caleb Love, like, you know, a guy like him, you know, he's supposed to be a highly uh, a top pick in the NBA draft. Maybe people don't see that now, but those are pressures that's on these kids and it's not easy. And when you're not winning, it's just compounding and you're at UNC. And another thing that people don't understand, I played against Chris Paul and Chris Paul and a lot of other guys wanted to come to UNC back in the day. You're so fortunate to get a scholarship to Carolina. And every single guy you play against wants that jersey or wanted that jersey. And I tell you guys, Chris Paul would try to run Raymond Felton. I mean, he wanted to play so well against Raymond Felton. And we had conversations like, Raymond, let me guard him because he's trying to go 100 miles an hour at you. He's trying just, no, nah, I got him. I'm like, bro, trust me. And Raymond, he'll attest this. And not that I'm a better defender, but I think – He's got more of an edge because you, you know, they recruited you and not him, not to say you're better or he's better. But when you put on the UNC jersey, every time you step on the floor, you're going to get everyone's A game. And I think guys, they don't understand that today, but it's it's a real thing. It's so real. You're going to get everybody's A game. You're going to get the coaches on the other side. Everybody wants to beat you. Like they can't sleep the night before because they see this logo. They want to beat you. Where is it? There it is. They want to. I'm. I'm sitting. No jokes aside. 
They want to beat you. My kids I coach now, what's up with your daughters? Oh, they're not in the tournament. Like, I'm like, bro, relax. Enjoy the tournament while you can. Enjoy it. Everyone wants to beat you because UNC's been on top for so daggone long. Melvin, we appreciate you making time for us on a Saturday morning. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and plant the seed now. At some point, I want to do a live uh, discussion of The Wire from a guy that lived in Baltimore. So at some point, we will we will do that. And it, I don't know how we'll position that for Inside Carolina, but it's absolutely the best TV show ever made. And so I would love to I would love to hear from a guy who like lived that you know that Baltimore experience. Uh, maybe not that so much, but lived in Baltimore and and saw all that stuff. So. We'll set that up for another time. Maybe if Tommy will ever watch The Wire, we'll let him in. I, I've watched The Wire. <laughs> you watched it. You should, okay. All right. Uh, fair enough. I thought, every, I thought it was one that of. you. I thought it was one you blew us up on, on on one show in the past where you said you hadn't seen it and and you felt very proud that you hadn't seen it. Anyway, oh, no. Mel, I watched Melvin, The Wire. <laughs> Melvin Scott, we appreciate it, man. We'll uh, we'll set something up in the very near future. But thanks for giving us some time and some perspective on a Saturday morning. For sure, man. Thank you guys for having me. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.